The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. It's just past the midday mark on this Monday, the 31st of October, 2022. Coming up in a couple of minutes, I'm chatting to one of my all-time favorite guests. She's making her third or fourth return to the show, and that's Karen Dolly talking to us all about her brand new book, Clash of the Cartels. A little bit later in the show, we'll be chatting to one of South Africa's foremost criminal profilers, Gerard Labuskakhni. Very sad day for South African radio. Veteran broadcaster Jeremy Mansfield has passed away. And, of course, we send our condolences to his entire family, his colleagues, his friends, and, of course, all of his fans out there. I'd like to remind you the views expressed on the show aren't necessarily those of mine or that of the station. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. One of my favorite journalists that I've watched over the years report bravelessly, brave, bravely and fearlessly uh, has been Karen Dolly. And we've chatted to her a few times on air. And not just is she a multi-award winning investigative journalist, she's now a best-selling author and she's now on book number three. Karen, a very good afternoon to you. Thank you so much, Chad. And I think you were quite spot on when you said bravelessly initially. <laughs> That's how it often feels. <laughs> oh, bravelessly. Oi. Clash of the Cartels, is it a continuation where you left off to to the Wolves or the Enforcers? Is it a standalone book or does it pick up some of the 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 pieces of, of, of importance that you raised in those other books about the underworld in South Africa and most importantly its symbiotic relationship not just with um, politicians, with local law enforcement, but as you've explained with international criminal syndicates? So Cash of the Cartels is definitely a standalone book, as in you can pick it up, you can read it, and you don't need to read the two other books. But it actually is a continuation or an extension of the subject matter in the enforcers and to the wolves, because, again, we're looking at corruption of police officers, corruption within the state, and also gangsterism. And by gangsterism, I mean that very broadly, in that we are criminals, thugs, and crooks. So, yeah, you can pick it up, you can read it. It's looking at the same sort of themes of organized crime, but looking at it through a drug lens, really focusing and drilling down on narco roots. Yeah. Karen, did, did you ever foresee when you went into journalism that you would become one of the de facto experts on the criminal underworld and how it operates in South Africa because you've done something a lot of people have been unable to do and that is in a lot of instances join the dots. Um, I never ever, I mean I still don't imagine that I would be where I am it's quite hard to believe and what I find amazing is that throughout my career which actually started a hefty slash whopping 16 years ago, I checked on my CV this morning um I feel like I've been following dots without realizing I've been following and connecting these dots. So 
this is almost natural progression in a sense, but at the same time, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Karen, for a journalist to join the dots, their job is not dissimilar to that of an investigator. And we've had some seriously hotshot investigators working for the state over the years. If you are able to join the dots, why do we not see the dots, the dots being joined by those that are in law enforcement so that they can deliver a package to the prosecutors that is actionable, winnable, and most importantly, prosecutable? So like we saw with To the Wolves, there is a lot of state corruption, and I don't limit this to South Africa. Clash of the Cartels really goes much further. It covers countless countries and South Africa's involvement or vice versa. So we have good people within the state or good investigators within the state whose lives and jobs are made difficult, miserable, and dangerous by other elements within the state. And that's perhaps why we're not seeing this sort of I'm not sure to call it a push or drive. We are in certain situations, please don't get me wrong, but for example, with drug conduits that are pieced together, in retrospect, it looks quite obvious that these conduits exist. Why they aren't being clamped down on, I would hope that perhaps they are, we're just not seeing it, and we as the public don't have to see it, and that arrests are in the pipeline. I really, no pun intended, the pipeline, but I really hope that, yeah, I hope we're not seeing action because of how vast and how huge these networks are and that one day we will see a massive swoop that doesn't just target individuals in South Africa but further abroad. Yeah. You raise a very interesting point there. There's been significant drug busts in South Africa the last 12 to 18 months, predominantly around syndicates moving product where South Africa has been a transshipment point to Australia. And the Australian Federal Police have been involved, Interpol has been involved, and other role players have been involved. Do you think that we're seeing these busts because of the international law enforcement's pressure on our local law enforcement? Or do you believe law enforcement generally just has a partnership to combat um, transnational um, narco smuggling? Karen, are you there? Um, Can you hear me? Yes, there you're back. Sorry about that, Chad. You also broke up my side, but um, I think the question you asked is about international relations between SAPs and Interpol and other countries' authorities. Well, it's quite infuriating because we've got a case in this book, a chapter that covers Brazil and Brazil's links to South Africa. There was one of the most wanted suspects who was in South Africa. He went on to be arrested in Maputo. And, I mean... (laughs) It's not clear why he was allowed to make his way through South Africa. Perhaps it was because he knew authorities were onto him and he fled. There's another case of an individual that was here for several years, Nelson Pablo Yastagarido, and he was only arrested in Italy. So it's almost like authorities from the United States in the Nelson Pablo Yastagarido case waited for him to leave South Africa. There's this impression what looks as if he was in a sense, protected in this country. So while we do actually have relationships with other countries' authorities, there's this sort of murky influence, a murky arena in between that, that I, I mean, it looks at face value as if certain individuals are protected from prosecution in South Africa. And I think that's what this book, Clash of the Cartels, really does explore, the fact that there are known individuals who are red flagged in other countries who are here. 
Now, South Africa has its own sets of challenges. It's not a failed state, but it's fast-reaching the reputation of being a criminal state. And like you said, criminals can hide out here. We've become a haven for some of the most wanted, dangerous criminals worldwide, people that have been involved in hits, people that have been involved in the Balkan Wars, people that have been involved in drug trafficking. But one of our neighboring countries has become a narco state, whether people want to acknowledge it or not, and that's Mozambique. Do you see that with Mozambique's porous borders into South Africa and the fact that they themselves have become such a major link in the international heroin trade that this will have a long-term effect on South Africa? And are we seeing the effects of having a, a narco state as a neighbor? We definitely already do see this. And the South African police service, Hawks, etc., have flagged this as a problem. They've identified a route that goes via Afghanistan, Pakistan, Mozambique, South Africa. And they say that most of the heroin landing in South Africa is then intended for global distribution as well as local, local use slash distribution. So it is a problem. It has been flagged. We will have to I don't like saying this because I don't want to say we must wait and see, but it's all we can do is to wait and see whether arrests are made, whether kingpins are arrested, not necessarily just foot soldiers or the transporters of the drugs, whether they can find and pinpoint who is actually channeling that heroin to South Africa. What's very interesting is you've had this terror alert that put the whole of Gauteng into panic mode over this past weekend. And what people tend to forget is that narco-trafficking can also be used to fund issues such as terror. And we know what's happening in Mozambique, Tanzania, and the influence that the the, the narco-terrorists have. And that's why there's that term, narco-terrorists. It's not just to protect their trade from other cartels, but it's also to fund other illicit activities. Do you see, as a journalist, more of a shift towards the international transshipment of narcotics also funding terror? So absolutely, a theme I picked up is that if all these crimes, terrorism, drug trafficking, I mean, we can, it can trickle down and it can go all the way up. They're all interconnected and it, um, we know that narco-trafficking is linked to funding terrorists. Um, for example, we've got a conduit via India. And that heroin that lands in South Africa and vice versa going through South Africa to India is believed to be from Afghanistan. It's believed to be funding terrorists. So it's a huge concern. What is also worrying is what you said about the U.S. raising that warning. It's also the United States relationship with South Africa. The U.S. is a powerhouse when it comes to global drug dealers. We've seen them take down kingpins who have previously been based in South Africa and who left and were then arrested. So, I mean, it's aside from terrorism, it's also there's a whole thick political layer to it. South Africa has become a transshipment point. You you alluded to that as much by saying earlier that a lot of the heroin that comes into South Africa is destined for foreign markets. Only some is used um, within the South African context. How big a player would you say South Africa has become internationally as a transshipment point? I would say we're major. We are absolutely major because if you look at this book, I've broken it down into several countries and each one of these countries, explained or elaborated on the links between that country and this country. And, I mean, South Africa pops up when you're looking at one of Brazil's most notorious gangs. South Africa pops up when you're looking at mm, Serbian syndicates. We are a key, an absolutely key cog in 
global narcotics networks. And what is disgusting and worrying is when we see corruption within the state, I think that gives the drug criminality a chance to expand and push out further. And of course, we've if you, Chad, I'm sure you've read the book by now, I hope you have, but you'll see a number of politicians' names pop up and a number of suspicions relating to politics and the involvement in, of that in drug trafficking. When we started the conversation, I said you're good at joining the dots, and that's something you've done in the book. And you've actually gone further than just joining the dots in terms of what you've written, but there's a lot of infographics. And those infographics show South Africans that have been linked to the state security apparatus, that have been linked to law enforcement, that have been linked um, during the liberation struggle. And you draw on various conclusions that are exceptionally important for the public to make some kind of sense of. And I always talk about the symbiotic relationship. Perhaps you can explain in better terminology because you, you've been in the trenches. You understand it better than I am. Why is it that the symbiotic relationship exists between the underworld, the intelligence services, law enforcement and politicians? So this goes all the way back to apartheid when police officers and apartheid agents partnered with gangsters and also in in a sense encouraged or reared gangs. So there was that connection prior to nineteen ninety four when we went from apartheid to democracy, while the policing services and intelligence services were amalgamated and shaped up to be brand spanking new democratic South Africa's intelligence structures, policing, etc. The mindsets of individuals didn't change. That means we've had sort of broken up, fragmented policing and intelligence services since back then. And if you've got one rogue police officer, one rogue intelligence agent, that means that it allows criminality to slink through. And that means that the state becomes infected with narco-trafficking, for example, and vice versa. If, for example, someone in the state partners with a narco-boss, that brings the state into the narco syndicate. So, yeah. One country that stands out for me and features predominantly in your book, um, both from a South African and European perspective, is the Eastern European country of Serbia. What a lot of South Africans may be unaware of, maybe some of our listeners, is that two of the people accused of murdering Arkin, who was himself a war criminal following the, the war in, in, in Bosnia-Herzegovina, um, they made their home in South Africa and they somehow got involved in the South African underworld as well as the state um, intelligence apparatus. And another person of Serbian descent was kind of pulling the strings all over the place, George Domonovic. How is it that these foreigners are able to place themselves in a position that it's so easy for them. I could take Kretscher as an example from Czechoslovakia, how he was able to find the right people to further his crimes in this country. So there's a very, very meaty chapter on Serbia in the book. And one of the things it says, without giving too much away, is that there have been these constant rumors that Serbian intelligence operatives have partnered with South African intelligence operatives and vice versa. And part of this deal was sharing of information, but also, and again, this is, this is a suspicion, this is rumored that it was to peddle drugs, or I don't want to say peddle, it sounds very flippant, but to traffic drugs. And we've seen the overlaps, we've seen it's it's highly bizarre that, as you mentioned, one of Arkan's assassins 
sort of popped up in the Western Cape following the murder of underworld kingpin Cyril Beaker, it emerged that the man driving Cyril Beaker wasn't who he said he was. He said his name was Sasek Vasevich. He's actually Dobrislav Gavrich. So, and it also explains in the book that we don't know about these incidents, weirdly, until there's a shooting. So it does seem that certain individuals, some Serbia, for example, have been given an element of protection in South Africa. If that is indeed the case, it's not clear why they were given that protection and what they had to perhaps give in return. It's true what you say about the shootings, because once again, there was another shooting in Randburg um, not so long ago, just shortly preceding the assassination of Domonovic in Serbia. And the person that was killed in that shooting was also a person linked to the Arkan assassination. It does seem that way. And it's it, again, it's exceptionally worrying and rattling that we only seem to be exposed to a veneer of the truth when there's extreme violence, when there are murders. Again, it's not clear how we got to this point or why we got to this point, but it's sinister and it's eerie. And I think if you check in the book, there is even a an infographic done by the wonderful Rudy Lowe, one of several infographics where we actually outline which person or which figure from Serbia was murdered where. And it's an intense knotted web of shootings that spans Serbia, Western Cape, Gauteng, and further afield. And I think within one year, either four or five men from Serbia were assassinated in South Africa. Karen, I don't want to ask this question, but I have to. The need arises. As an investigative journalist that's put so much time and effort into joining the dots, don't you fear for your safety? Um, yes, quite often. And in this case, with this book, I think the fear of the unknown, because it's such a broad, not a broad book, but because it covers so many countries, I do realize that I could have upset or I'm not sure what word to use, brushed up the wrong person the wrong way in a very different country. Or was someone in this country who may not be appreciative of my work. But at the same time, I really feel we need to understand a problem to address the problem. And international slash global drug trafficking involving South Africa is a noxious mess of dirty politics, state corruption, corruption within the SAPs, corruption within intelligence agencies. And we've seen all this. We've heard all this in the Zondo Commission, for example. It's been reported for years. And I think this is really state capture on the ground where we've got people addicted to drugs. We've got gangsters taking out each other in trying to dominate the trade. It's it's a mess. And I feel it really, really must be exposed, even though I live off Gaviscon a lot of the time. Karen, we're very appreciative of what you do. we really appreciative of your writing. I want to congratulate you for an award last week, which wasn't related to your normal type of reporting. It was about a endangered species, and congratulations on that. But most importantly, um, the enforcers had opened up our eyes to the wolves, brought clarity as to what's really going on. And Clash of the Cartels is a book that really places South Africa um, in a spotlight in terms of the role that it's playing. And we thank you so much for being able to join those dots. No, thank you. And also, yeah, too. I mean, I wouldn't be able to join the dots if someone didn't create the dots. And it's a lot of court documents I used interviewing people. I think those are the real, real brave people who do hard work putting kingpins behind bars or trying to 
Yeah. Well, Karen Dolly, I'm looking forward to our next conversation. And carry on doing what you're doing. Everybody's very proud of you. And we absolutely love reading the results of your hundreds, if not thousands, of hours of research. Thank you so much. And thank you for making all those blood, sweat, lots of tears <laughs> worth it. Thank you. Karen Dolly is the author of Clash of the Cartels, which is on the bookshelves from today. It's available at all good bookstores, or you can arrange your copy through the Daily Maverick. Karen previously wrote To the Wolves and the Enforcers.